0: Welcome everyone, this is Ancient Wisdoms for Modern Seekers. I'm Lisa Coffee, and we meet every, sun, every fourth Sunday of the month at 4.30 right here on this Zoom channel, and then I'll post it to YouTube so you can watch again later. Today we have an amazing speaker, <laughs> one of my very favorite people in the whole world, Swami so Mahayogananda. He's a monastic at the Vedanta Society, Hollywood, and a dear friend and an amazing scholar. And today we thought we'd talk about Swami Vivekananda's poetry. So welcome, Swamiji. How are you?
1: Well, it's great to be here, Parama. And you're always so encouraging and enthusiastic. That's infectious, and that's great for us spiritual seekers to have company of people like you who encourage us in spiritual life thank you so much really important
0: thank you so much well i have a question now so swami g uh swami vivekananda um he wrote some books a lot of his books are uh taken from talks correct (laughs) like he did a talk and then someone wrote it all down and then that counts as a book with his poetry did he actually write these down himself
1: yes. uh huh yes these were and mostly they were written uh as letters in letters they were they were sent or well, well it depends the different poems and some of them we don't even know who, who wrote, when he wrote them or why he wrote them and others we know more details so the the two that i thought to start with today at least and maybe that will end with those two are uh one poem that uh, you remember the magazine *Prabuddha Bharata* or *Awakened India*? Yes. So, um, this is one poem written actually to the journal. Okay. And, uh, it's one thing about the the, the poems. We, we don't realize that Swamiji was a poet, and he didn't write that many poems. Here is his book of of poetry. Uh, you can see it's a very thin little booklet. Um, and it has the, f- the first part is poems written in English. And then the second part is there's also poems written in Bengali and poems written in the Sanskrit language. And then there's a few things he translated also. So, um, but he was a gifted, as you'll see, he was very gifted with language and with words and with expressing things, which it's some, when I'm talking about spirituality, about the divine, how do you talk about the infinite? The infinite existence and bliss, um, difficult. But when you put it in a poem, it yeah. it hints at something. It takes you somewhere. So, Yeah, uh, I've
0: always loved poetry because uh, it, it leaves so much to the imagination. It lets your mind mm-hmm. kind of see beyond just the black and white. You know, you have to read between the lines. And it's, yes. I just yes. love that. I wow. think if... If uh, Vivekananda were here today, he'd be called a multi-hyphenate because he did so many things. He was an activist, he was a teacher, he was a poet, he was a scholar, he was a monastic. He, did, I mean, probably the most brilliant person who's ever walked the planet.
1: He's uh, a phenomenon for sure, an amazing phenomenon. And this, I, I put in the chat the link to the poem
0: Oh, great. Um, on
1: one, uh, one website has all his works there. So if you want to follow along.
0: Oh, wonderful. Poem, That's great. Uh, you- this
1: I thought would be a good place to start. And uh, no, let me read you just a little bit about the background of this poem. And this is from Sister Niverita. And um, where did I put that now? Here it is.
0: And just give some background on Sister Nivedita for those okay. who are familiar.
1: Okay, so uh, Swami Vivekananda was uh, traveling in India in 1898 when this all this took place, and he was traveling with some of his Western disciples, including the Margaret Noble, whom he gave the name Sister Nivedita, the dedicated, the one who is dedicated to God, and she dedicated her whole life to Swami Vivekananda's mission and moved to India and lived there and left her body there in India in 1909, or was it 1911? Uh, and um, so she was with Swami Vivekananda when they were traveling in Kashmir at this time. And Swamiji had started this journal to the awakened India in South India, his disciple Alasinga Perumal, uh, had been the main editor and in 1898 he suddenly died mm-hmm. and swamiji was, was a he, of course crestfallen and this this magazine was part of how he felt the message of vedanta is going to flow out to the world how how to get the message out well a magazine a journal which will be every month and it will and it has been in continuous publication since it was founded with a gap of something like two months when, uh, when Al-Singhapadamal died. And then it was transferred from South India to the North India, to the very North in the Himalayas. And it was uh, taken up by the saviors and by his disciple Swami Surupananda. So the magazine has been moved to uh, Ma- Almora and then Mayabati. Uh, in the mountains, the Himalayas, and uh, of course, the Himalayas are associated in the in the Indian mindset with Vedanta and with yogis and with uh, the high mountain temples and with really the, the very source of Vedanta and, and the mountains themselves are looked on as the Lord Shiva. So the and uh, so let me read you what Sister Nivedita wrote about this poet, she writes. At this time, the transfer of the Prabuddha Bharata from Madras, which is a South India, called Chennai, of course, to the newly established ashrama at Mayavati was much in all our thoughts. The Swami had always had a special love for this paper, as the beautiful name he had given it indicated, Prabuddha Bharata. The to the uh, Prabuddha Bharata, Prabuddha is awakened, and Bharata means India. So Prabuddha Bharata, or awakened India. He had always been eager too for the establishments of organs of his own means journals and magazines, the value of the journal in the education of modern India was perfectly evident to him. And he felt that his master's message and mode of thought required to be spread by this means, as well as by preaching and by work day after day, therefore, he would dream about the future of his papers as about the work in its various centers. Day after day, he would talk of the forthcoming first number under the new editorship of Swami Swarupananda. And one afternoon, he brought to us as we sat together a paper on which he had, quote, tried to write a letter, but it would come this way. Mm. And this way is this beautiful poem to the, to the Awakened India. And though it's written to a journal, but actually it's written to India also is written to India as the mother of this precious tradition of Vedanta, of this life-giving teachings of spirituality, of harmony, and of realizing the truth. And so you'll see both of these in in this beautiful poem. Let me read it, and then we can talk about it a little. Uh, Here we go. Once more awake, for sleep it was, not death. To bring thee life anew and rest to lotus eyes for visions daring yet. The world in need awaits, O truth, no death for thee. Mm -hmm. Resume thy march with gentle feet that would not break the peaceful rest, even of the roadside dust that lies so low. Yet, strong and steady, blissful, bold and free, awakener, ever forward speak thy stirring words thy home is gone where loving hearts had brought thee up and watched with joy thy growth but fate is strong this is the law all things come back to the source they sprung their strength to renew then start afresh from the land of thy birth where vast cloud belted snows do bless and put their strength in thee for working wonders new The heavenly river, tune thy voice to her own immortal song. Deodar shades give thee eternal peace. And all above, Himala's daughter, Uma, gentle, pure, the mother that resides in all as power and life, who works all works and makes of one the world, whose mercy opes the gate to truth and shows the one in all, give thee untiring strength which is infinite love. They bless thee all, the seers great, whom age nor clime can claim their own, the fathers of the race, who felt the heart of truth the same, and bravely taught to man, ill-voiced or well. Their servant, thou hast got the secret, tis but one. <laughs> then speak, O oh love, before thy gentle voice serene, Behold, how visions melt and fold on fold of dreams, departs to void till truth and truth alone in all its glory shines and tell the world awake, arise and dream no more. This is the land of dreams where karma weaves unthreaded garlands with our thoughts of flowers, sweet or noxious and none has root or stem being born in naught which the softest breath of truth drives back to primal nothingness. Be bold and face the truth. Be one with it. Let visions cease. Or if you cannot dream but truer dreams, which are eternal love and service free.
0: Wow. It's so powerful and so beautiful at the same time. Very touching. And it's got that famous line: "Awake, arise, and dream no more." It's one of his famous quotes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really to me. It's thrilling. And when I read it again like this, it just brings so much inspiration. So who is he writing to? Well, supposedly he's writing to this magazine. This, this. Okay, but no, he's he's speaking to truth. The world in need awaits. O oh, truth. And he's speaking to love. Then speak, O oh love. He's speaking to, uh, in a sense, he's speaking to the divine. He's speaking to India. And he's speaking to all of us. He's speaking to the truth that's shining in all of our hearts. And yet it's also with the great love for the Himalayan tradition of the yogis and the and the, the jnanis uh, the, that truth, that there is but one <laughs> and that else exists.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, in a way it's a teaching and another way it's a love letter. Mm. There, it's just so many um, layers of meaning.
1: So l- let's just touch a little bit on let's let's go through it a little bit because yeah. you see what, what else we. So first he says once more awake and India really. under domination of uh, foreign cultures for, as Swamiji would say, a thousand years. And so India was asleep. And uh, and yet it was just asleep. It was not death for sleep. It was not death to bring the life anew, suggesting, of course, the journal was asleep for a couple of months. (laughs) So in that sense, but actually he's writing to to truth. To uh, the, the, the truth of the, which was always, oh, the fire of truth was always kept burning by the sages and saints of India and of all religions. And yet it seems in, in the modern world of materialism and a, a science and the, the consequent skepticism about religion that truth is, truth spiritual truth is asleep perhaps, but it's time to wake up. Now it's a new time. Sri Ramakrishna has come. I have come bearing the message of Ramakrishna that God is, that truth is, that there is but one reality called, we can call it by any name, and that shines in all hearts and is manifesting this whole world. And ultimately this world is but a pale reflection of that infinite truth and glory. And that truth is now awakening. It was just rest to give you new strength to bring this truth which the world is so much in need of the world in need awaits no death so resume your march go on go forward with gentle feet yet truth is not it's not going to this spreading this teaching it's not going to hurt because it's so gentle gentle feet that would not break even the peaceful rest of the roadside dust that lies so low so so uh you know, the evening, Sister Nivedita would point out that in uh, India, and in Vrindavan especially, the evening is called the the cow dust hour. Mm. Why? Because the cows are go- going home back to the, their homes and as they're walking, the dust is uh, kicking up and... Um, the uh so it's the cow dust hour because the the cows are going home and and the dust is hanging in the air from all the cows walking and uh, so dust uh, india is dusty and uh, that was one thing that i found in when i lived in india for uh, uh many years six years it's dusty it's a mm-hmm. dusty place and yet the dust we also have this tradition of We take the dust of the feet of our respected elders as a blessing. So we touch their feet and we feel like we're getting a little dust from their feet and we touch it to our heads. Uh, That idea of not only dust, but holy dust. Uh, Yet strong and steady, though gentle, yet strong. The truth is, is pure strength, blissful, bold and free. Awakener, ever forward. Speak thy stirring words. In some ways, it's a it's a letter to Sri Ramakrishna, also a poem to Ramakrishna, because actually he is the source. Swami Vivekananda would say, if I've said anything good, if I've said anything that helps someone, it's only my master speaking through me. I am only the I am only the mouthpiece for that uh, source, infinite source of truth. So you are the Awakener, Ramakrishna, the Awakener, God, the Awakener. Forward, speak the truth. We. <laughs> Let it be, let let truth spread to all. And then this next verse, I think, this seems to refer especially to uh, Madras, the, the, the old home of Prabhupada Bharata. Thy home is gone, where loving hearts had brought thee up and watched with joy thy growth. But fate is strong, this is the law. All things come back to the source they sprung, their strength to renew. As if the source of this of the tradition of India, it somehow has its source in the high peaks of the Himalayas, and the Prabhupada Bhada has been brought from from Madras back to back, as it were, to the heights of the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. And the tradition of Vedanta, the tradition, the, the, the Indian Hindu scriptures, the Vedanta scriptures, the Upanishads, more of a, more, we don't know who first spoke them. They've been passed down from, from generation to generation of sages. And so their, their home, where was their home, actually? We imagine that it might have been in the Himalayas. But... Uh, we don't know. Uh, so, where is the home of truth in this world? Well, that that home is, is gone, and yet it it actually in every heart. Uh, and the loving hearts have passed on that truth to from generation to generation. Right. And
0: there, there's uh, no there's no time or space in spirit. So, how how do we point to a certain place the end mm. an, an origin?
1: Mm. Yes. Yes and th- but then again this idea of going back to the source that's what we're all trying to do and here the, the poem is also expressing this idea of going back to the source to renew our strength so um then start afresh start afresh now speaking to the journal perhaps from the land of thy birth where vast cloud-belted snows do bless and put their strength in thee for working wonders new interesting you have to see the himalayas and to see how the the cloud belted snows actually the snows the the peaks they often rise far above the clouds and so as it were the snow peaks are belted with clouds the clouds are on a lower level like a belt around the mountain or something like that so that's how how this makes sense cloud belted snows do you see that they Mm -hmm. they put bless and put their strength in thee for working wonders new this is a poet. I don't know what it means. The heavenly river, tune thy voice to her own immortal song. Deodar shades give thee eternal peace. The Deodar trees, you know, it it's from the Sanskrit Devadaru. It means the tree of the gods. This is the Himalayan cypress tree. And we have some growing here in Los Angeles also. Beautiful trees. Um And uh, it really, but it really, we think of Him, when we see those trees, we think of the Himalayas and the evergreen uh, giving shades and giving eternal peace. And then uh, Swami Vivekananda doesn't go far, doesn't go long before he has to remember mother (laughs) because the next verse he brings in divine mother. And uh, as this is another aspect of Vivekananda which may not be so well known to all of his, uh, uh, at least his casual students, that he was on the one hand, the preacher of Vedantic truth, and on the other hand, uh, and the one, the one without a second, that, that the, all the divine, the, all the deities are but manifestations of the one and melt away into the one infinite ocean of existence, consciousness, bliss, absolute, and yet, At the same time, he was utterly devoted to the Divine Mother, specifically Ghazi. And uh, he he has uh, two poems written uh, to Mother, or about Mother. And uh, in his own personal life, he felt that it was the Divine Mother guiding him all the time, and making him run around and do all this work that he did. So here we have Mother coming in this poem, and all above, Higher, higher than everything, the one power, the Shakti that that uh, is the source of everything in this universe and all above. Himala's daughter Uma, the idea that uh, the Himala, the the the, the father uh, who is the the sacred mountain, as it were, his daughter is Uma, the divine mother, Durga or Uma or Kali, gentle, pure. Here the the Uma side, not the Kali side, gentle, pure. The mother that resides in all as power and life so here we get a definition who is the divine mother she is she is uh that who resides in all as power and life who works all works it is her power that is doing everything and makes of one the world okay so we have one that one existence consciousness bliss where does this world come it's the mother who makes this world of the One, whose mercy opens the gate to truth and shows the One in all. Uh, this idea that uh, it reminds me of uh, an incident, and I wish I could remember all the the juicy details. Uh, that um, sw- it involves Swami Brahman and the Holy Mother, and. Uh, Holy Mother apparently sends him, uh, and Swam, Holy Mother was in the inner apartments and Swami Brahmananda was below with other monks and devotees and Holy Mother sends a message to ask Rakhal, that means Swami Brahmananda, why is, um, uh, uh, what's so important about Mother's grace or something like that? Does anyone else remember this story? And uh, Raja Maharaj says, uh, you remember? Okay.
2: I think so. I, I wouldn't be able to tell without spoiling it though. I think yeah. i remember what
1: happened and and he and rajamraj says because mother holds the key that opens the door to the knowledge of brahman and then he starts to dance and uh so this is mother's mercy this the, the whose mercy opens the gate to truth this is uh, referring to the same idea that it's that uh, realization on the one hand real, realization we we're all eligible to realize the truth of who we are our true nature that that is here right here like a fruit in the palm of the hand we can realize it uh and yet at the same time it takes as hard as we strive it's not it's some it's somehow not enough it takes grace it takes mercy mm-hmm. and even the hardcore gnanis the hardcore Vedantins who don't accept the worship of deities or anything, they will say, Guru's grace. It is the grace of the Guru who teaches us and points out the truth. So here it is, uh, her her mercy, her grace, opens the gate to truth and shows the one in all. So it's that one truth shining in all, in everything, in everyone. And it's mother's, by Mother's grace we see that, that we see the One, we realize the One. And may She give Thee untiring strength, which is infinite love. How amazing. This, uh, Swami Vivekananda always comes back to love. And no exception here. Mm. Give the untiring strength, which is infinite love. In fact, this is the first time I, it, it strikes me uh, that here he equates strength and love. How wonderful. They bless thee all, the seers great, whom age nor climb can claim their own, the fathers of the race who felt the heart of truth the same and bravely taught to man, Ill-voiced or well, this is. Uh, see these, the the seers, great women and men of all times and places, whom no one can claim. We cannot claim them as as uh, their own because they belong to the whole human race, the fathers and mothers of the whole of the race, the whole human race. Uh, who felt the heart of truth the same, the heart of truth is one though it's expressed in so many ways, sometimes well expressed, some other times perhaps more awkwardly expressed, ill-voiced or well their servant thou hast got the secret, tis but one, I'm not sure I understand this line. Do you understand it? Their servant tis but one thou hast got the secret, tis but one, their servant.
0: To me, it's meaning that, you know, the various names of God through the various traditions are all the same.
1: But what about the servant? Who's serving whom? The servant of the one truth.
0: God serves us. We serve God. It's a two-way street, right?
1: Their servant. Is it the the seer's great? It's the servant of the seer's great or their servant? Yeah, the seer's
0: servant. I mean, that's what I think. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, how we learned that when you really want something, you just pray to God so uh, devotedly and so sincerely, and then God can't help but answer your prayer.
1: So, yeah, uh, Kat says the mothers and fathers of the human race are the servitors. Well, that seems more uh, their servant, and yet their servant. Hmm. Well, let's let's hold on to that and see <laughs> over the next few days what comes to us on on this question. Yeah, okay. Exactly, What does it mean? Yeah. Uh, and then this this last thrilling uh, two paragraphs, uh, which is uh, then he speaks directly to love. Then speak, O love, before thy gentle voice serene, behold how visions melt. And fold on fold of dreams departs to void, till truth and truth alone in all its glory shines. From the highest standpoint of Vedanta, all this is is like a dream. This uh, this dream we're dreaming of little bodies and little worlds and little uh, all this all the troubles that we're having here. Maybe they're nightmares, but they're only even a nightmare is just a dream. <laughs> so. Uh, it's like, um, it's, uh, just a second. This is disturbing. Everything Uh, changes. It's, um, so the visions melt, even the highest visions, they fall away and they melt away until, uh, they depart to void until truth alone shines in all its glory. And tell the world, tell the world, oh, love, tell the world, oh, Prabhupada Bharata, awakened in India, tell the world, every seeking soul, awake, arise, and dream no more. Love is the only truth. The, why, what is all this dream? Love is the truth. Love is the only, only thing to hold on to. And then this is the land of dreams, not this India, this, this world, <laughs> this this universe is the land of dreams where karma weaves unthreaded garlands with our thoughts of flowers, sweet or noxious, and none has root or stem being born in naught, which the softest breath of truth drives back to primal nothingness. What a fascinating uh, passage here, which almost like we, we can just touch what that karma is we karma is weaving garlands and yet there's no thread in it they're unthreaded garlands how can you have a garland without a thread and yet karma is weaving these garlands of our life uh, with our and what is it what what is it weaving them with with our thoughts weaves unthreaded garlands with our thoughts and the thoughts, thoughts are like flowers so a garland of flowers which has no thread except for our thoughts and the thoughts the thoughts are flower are the flowers and some of them are sweet and some of them are noxious uh and they have neither root nor stem being born in naught (laughs) so which and the softest breath of truth will drive them back to primal nothingness back to the void and let those visions even all this all our activities all our uh desires and our hopes and our planning and everything, and it all goes back and melts away into primal nothingness, uh, because they're not ultimately real. They're they're born in naught. Uh, Be bold and face this truth. Face this. Can you face this? Be bold and face the truth. Be one with it forget it, let, you, let body go, let mind go, let it all go. Truth and truth alone, the one infinite consciousness is shining and thou art that, tat face it. Or, if you cannot, let the vision cease. If you cannot, then dream but truer dreams, which are eternal love and service free. Here it suggests to me that Truth is beyond really what we, we can't understand it with our minds. We're talking about it here with our minds, but here he's, he's trying to point out in this amazing passage, the truth of that which we are, we cannot actually talk about it, but we, we can realize it. So <laughs> do realize it. Or if you cannot, then keep going towards that realization. And what's the path? Dreaming truer dreams. Service-free and eternal love, these even these are dreams, but they're truer dreams, truer dreams than some of the other dreams we may be having. So that's uh, as much as I think I can say about this really amazing poem.
0: It is amazing. I mean, there's so much, you know, visual cues for us to imagine the point, you know, I'd like to hear from some of you guys what you think of the poem and what passages kind of stood out to you or moved you in some way. You can just unmute yourself and jump on in if you'd like.
2: Hi, can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, so I wanted, um, uh, Swami Swamiji brought up this wonderful point in this story. I thought I knew the story, but in my head, I was connecting the line to a different uh, anecdote they have about Masharada. I know you love Masharada, Lisa, so I think you yes. all remember this story. Yes. Um, it's the line, if, if you guys can see it, opens the gate to truth and shows the one and all, giving the untiring strength, which is infinite love. Um, I don't remember two of the important players in this story. Um, I know that one of them was a disciple of Ramakrishna, and I know that the story begins with um, one of the younger monks who's trying to get up to mother. Mother Sharada is in her room and she's resting. And it's kind of like this unspoken rule that nobody like, like let mother Sharada rest. She, she sees all these people all day and this is her moment of rest. And the monk is like, no, I have to go up the stairs. I have to see her. So he starts to walk. And one of the disciples is standing in front of the door like kind of like guarding her. And he's just like, kind of gives him this look and says like, don't. And he just, (laughs) the monk takes his arm and swings him out of the way and walks into mother's room. And mother's just calm. Ashara is like, hello. She just talks to him and they speak a little bit. And then the sense that the monk has done something wrong comes over the monk. He's like, oh God what did I just do? I just took my arm and shoved, you know, one of my seniors out of the way. And, you know, someone who's very special and he just goes out and he feels overwhelmed with grief and guilt. And the disciple looks at him and he's like, you know, you did the right thing. And the monk is like, I did. He's like, yes, that's the kind of determination and devotion you need to reach the mother. It's a gift from her. (laughs) <laughs> you see how these like certain things that come like swamiji Swami Vikananda said um whose mercy opens the gate to truth and shows the one in all no duality not to say that there aren't things that feel you know at this level harmful to us but that the mistakes that we make are part of a grander tapestry of which we only have view of one thread <laughs> and i think that story really sets it home that a lot of you know, sometimes the, sometimes the worst, silliest things we do can be mother's grace to opening the door to her. I think it's such a beautiful, literal, reminis- like, reminisce representation of that. I was like, oh, that reminds me of that story. So yeah. I had to share it. because That was very really good.
0: Beautiful. Thank yeah.
1: you. Uh, that's a, oh, a, thank a, you. a wonderful story. We, we actually just read about that. And uh, it's Swami Saradananda who is the mother's gatekeeper at Udbodhan at the mother's house, which was also where the Bengali magazine uh, and was produced, the Udbodan, And uh, actually, the, the person who came to see mother was not yet a monk. He became a monk afterwards. He was still a young disciple. But otherwise, the story is just right. He's, he's going up to see mother and Sharatma just standing there and says, no, you can't go. And he says, is, is she only your mother? And he pushes <laughs> him aside. And goes on to mother. <laughs> I love that story
2: so much. I had to share it. I was like, you guys yeah. need to hear this. It's yes, so
1: good.
2: Yes. I'd heard it in one of the lectures. So it was fresh in my
0: memory. And I was uh-huh. like, wait, wait, wait. This yeah. has to be here. <laughs> Thank uh, you for letting me share.
1: Thank you for sharing that.
0: And that kind of points to our Dharma, too. Like in the um, last chapter of the Gita, when Krishna is saying to Arjuna, even If, if in your self-conceit, I will not fight, you say to yourself, you will fight. You can't help it. This is your nature. You know, you're going to end up doing it anyway. So if our our nature is to go to mother, our nature is to knock down walls, whatever it takes to go to where that's our nature.
1: Anyone else? (laughs) <laughs> Shall we do another poem? I yes, I, I please. wanted to, I thought uh, uh, in a somewhat lighter vein and yet it's not light either. Let me get the link for you all. Um This is to the 4th of July. And probably many of you are familiar with it. I'm just pasting the, the link in the chat. Um and uh this poem uh okay the best thing to do that sister, this w- this was just after he wrote this other poem to the awakened india uh, and let me read what sister nivedita writes about it on july 4th they were in Sh- srinagar from uh in june and july of 1898 and uh of course the, the other members of the party were americans So on the 4th of July, Swamiji and Sister Niverita conspired to put on a little party for the Americans celebrating their Independence Day of 4th of July. So this is what she writes. With great fun and secrecy, the Swami and his one non-American disciple, means Niverita, prepared to celebrate the 4th of July. A regret had been expressed in his hearing that we had no American flag with which to welcome the other members of the party to breakfast on their national festival. And late on the afternoon of the 3rd, he brought, brought a pundit Dursey, I'm not sure what that is, a pundit Dursey, a person, in great excitement, explaining that this man would be glad to imitate it if he were told how. The stars and stripes were very crudely represented, I fear, on the piece of cotton that was nailed, With branches of evergreens to the head of the dining room boat when the Americans stepped on board for early tea on Independence Day, but. The Swami had postponed a journey in order to be present at the little festival and he himself contributed a poem to the addresses that were now read aloud by way of greeting. Beautiful. So this is, this is that poem that Swami Vivekananda wrote to the 4th of July. Um, And um, if there's something before we, we, uh, uh, so we can imagine uh, the Sister Niverita and um, uh, Josephine McLeod and Mrs. Sarah Bull, Mrs. Oli Bull, Sarah Bull, and uh, so those were the two Americans, and I think that was it. Those the, that that was the party, and um, so Swami Vivekananda clearly loved the idea of Independence Day. This is the idea of uh, freedom, and he loved the American spirit of freedom. So uh, you'll you'll hear that in this poem, and so this is. The poem to the 4th of July. Behold, the dark clouds melt away that gathered thick at night and hung so like a gloomy pall above the earth. Before thy magic touch the world awakes, the birds in chorus sing, the flowers raise their star-like crowns, dew set and wave thee welcome fair. The lakes are opening wide in love their hundred thousand lotus eyes to welcome thee with all their depth. All hail to thee, thou Lord of light. A welcome new to thee today, O sun. Today thou sheddest liberty. Bethink thee how the world did wait and search for thee through time and clime. Some gave up home and love of friends and went in quest of thee, self-banished through dreary oceans, through primeval forests, each step a struggle for their life or death. Then came the day when work bore fruit, and worship, love, and sacrifice fulfilled, accepted, and complete. Then thou, propitious, rose to shed the light of freedom on mankind. Move on, O Lord, in thy resistless path, till thy high noon o'erspreads the world, till every land reflects thy light, till men and women with uplifted head behold their shackles broken and know in springing joy, their life renewed.
0: Their shackles broken, wow, so good. Did you have a link for that poem too?
1: I think I, didn't I paste it in the chat?
0: I don't see it.
1: Mm, uh well oh i just, i sent it uh, for some reason oh pretty sent me a private message and when i pasted it in oh, it, it went back to her privately oh, okay <laughs> here it comes sorry about that <laughs>
0: okay thank you okay.
1: sorry about that oh gosh i thought you were reading along and uh so on the one it's it's a poem written to the sun and it's a poem written to, to the Lord, as it were, to the Lord who's uh, spreading the, the the freedom, and it's hinting at the American Independence Day. True, but it's uh, it, it ends with this call for that all men and women all, everywhere should be free, that uh, every land will reflect that light of freedom, and on on the one hand maybe it's hinting at uh, political freedom, but really it's. It's only in spiritual freedom that we can truly behold our shackles broken. So it's a uh, it's a it's a kind of combining these two ideals of 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 political freedom and uh, Swamiji was still also very conscious that his motherland was not free that it was ruled by others and uh, interestingly though nowhere in his works will you find any call for for to from him to India's to overthrow his the the colonial power the British nowhere does he hinted that and yet all the freedom fighters were devotees of Swami Vivekananda and they all had his books especially his lectures from Colombo to Almora they all had that in their in their possession and so when the authorities started cracking down on the freedom movement they found Vivekananda's books so they started suspecting our order at that time by that time Vivekananda was no longer in the in the body uh and so uh but he was one of the main main inspirers of the freedom movement in India Mm. and yet he never addressed it uh specifically he always insisted that his order will remain completely non-political but um so beautiful again as you point out the imagery you know he has this imagery of thick black clouds which are hanging like a gloomy pall and uh, why uh, what but they melt away they melt away as the sun of truth the sun of freedom is rising and before the magic touch of that sun the world awakes the birds are singing the flowers are raising their their crowns do set to welcome thee and uh, the hundred thousand lotus eyes of the lakes are opening uh, wide in love it's so beautiful all hail to thee, thou Lord of Light. A welcome new to thee today, O sun. Today thou sheddest liberty. That's the, the first stanza of, of uh, this rising of the sun of freedom and truth. And then a, a reflection on how uh, we're, we're all searching for freedom and how difficult it is. And of course, he's giving a little a nod here also to the we should probably call it the Creation myth of the United States, because we know that actually the 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 truth is is much more painful uh, with the terrible genocide that took place. But here, that's the the it's more like a, a nod to the myth of the persecuted uh, um, uh, pilgrims who fled the narrow religious intolerance of Europe to come to America in quest of freedom and and um, uh, established the free country of the United States. So even though it's a myth, uh, he's, it's, uh, it's this idea actually of seeking freedom. We're all seeking freedom, and uh, with tremendous struggle it takes to attain freedom. And then, again, we get this idea of gross, gr- grace. The sun of truth is rising, the sun of freedom is rising, propitious to shed the light of freedom on all humanity. And then this call, this prayer to the to the divine, move on, your path is resistless, nothing can stop you, but move on all the same till thy high noon overspreads the world till every land reflects thy light, till men and women with uplifted head, we're bowed down, where heads are uplifted finally, and we're free. We know who we are. Our shackles are broken and our life is renewed. So gosh, that's to the 4th of July. And we know, of course, that uh, Swami Vivekananda chose uh, this day in 1902 to give up his body, to leave behind his body. He searched through the almanac, searching for different days, and maybe he was looking for an auspicious Hindu day, but it seems he chose the auspicious American day, the uh, 4th of July.
0: Yeah, to become free. I mean, I can always almost hear like the fireworks going off as you're saying these things, right? And the rocket's red glare. and
1: mm.
0: Oh, boy.
1: It looks like you have a question, Mother.
0: Thank you. Swamiji, you Horror mentioned... Comment you mentioned
2: um, the Fourth of July, and uh, Lisa pointed out the word shackles. and uh, Swami um Vivekananda Swami was apolitical, as he suggested, but he was a poet. So poets have a way of indirect expression, and uh, we we need to look at the word shackles because he's talking, of course, of uh, our spiritual shackles, but um. It's also um, very pointed about the history of the United States. I think and he's he's writing post Civil War, correct?
1: Right. Good point. Uh, a beautiful point. Yes. Yes. That's a wonderful. That's a wonderful point. Uh, and surely, yes, and surely he was a he was. Though he doesn't address it much in his uh, talks, but he was f- f- aware and he he mentions that if, uh, that the Ingersoll had told him if he had come 30 years before, he would have been tarred and feathered and uh, all of that. So, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that is uh, to the 4th of July. Mm hmm. Which I always feel ought to be read on the Fourth of July at our Fourth of July program. And uh, I think usually it is.
0: Yeah, that's nice.
1: We, we have we, oh yeah, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say we also read the um, the speech he gave at the Parliament on that day, right?
1: Uh, I don't know. I uh, we could read it. I don't know that we uh, that it's a th- that it's a. I'm trying to never.
0: think. I remember a um, a um, a youngster, a student, a young child reading mm-hmm. that speech, like he had memorized mm-hmm. it and everything. Right. And right, I right, loved that right. he did that, and he did yeah. such a good job, and he said it so, you know, just like Vivekananda would have. It was wonderful.
1: Right, right, right. right. Yes. Um, we have. Just a little time, I, we, we, we could, uh, you, you know, I'll share with you a, a, th- a third poem uh, which, as some of you know, and at least one of you I know knows very well uh, but it's uh, very touching, and this was written to uh, the person known as Sister Christine, uh, whose name was actually Christina Green's and let me send you the link. Um, and this is called, and we don't know anything more about it, except that uh, it was written in 1896 mm-hmm. on 6th of January in, as a letter, as a kind of a blessing for a letter. And it's it's very short uh, and it's very touching. And it, it really is a letter to all of us mm-hmm. what though thy bed be frozen earth thy cloak the chilling blast what though no mate to cheer thy path thy sky with gloom o'ercast? what though of love itself doth fail thy fragrance strewed in vain what though of bad or good prevail and vice or virtue reign change not thy nature gentle bloom thou violet sweet and pure but ever pour thy sweet perfume unasked unstinted sure
0: Mm.
1: speaks a lot to um this ideal of love and uh, And not having any expectations. If we are lovers, if we are called to spiritual life, if we are called to express that love, then we we don't seek for any result even. We we don't expect anything. We are just to give, because that's our nature. And uh, this... uh, it has such a touching idea of an, an early violet the violet comes and it's still cold. it's there's still snow on the ground the ground is still frozen somehow it's managed to start blooming but it's it's early there's none of the other flowers are blooming yet and it, everything seems cold and and the and, and dark and gray and depressed and what though if everything fails what though if love itself doth fail thy fragrance strewed in vain What though of bad over good prevail and vice over virtue reign and often it seems like that's the case In, in many parts of the world, it seems like bad is prevailing and vice does prevail, even then, your nature is to love, don't, you can't, don't change your nature, your nature, you gentle bloom, your nature is to just spread your fragrance, your sweet perfume, don't change your nature, just pour your sweet perfume unasked unstinted sure these three are beautiful on the one hand we 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 don't have to be asked to love that's our nature we just spread that fragrance of love and then uh unstinted but don't hold back the more we love the more love we have to give uh if we say well i only have so much love i'm not going to love you i'm only going to love you and and i and that's it then uh, we're we're just uh, changing our nature. The nature of the vial is just to give its perfume to everyone who comes. Yeah. And then. uh, Sure, with with faith, with that uh, determination that, yes, I will. I will spread my perfume. I will love I will send my love to everyone uh, as best I can like a violet. So it's a a very beautiful and no expectations and just Uh
0: no obligations either. You just do it because that's what you do. Yes. Just really, you know, we talked about this in church earlier this morning about um, return to you and your nature and know who you are, you know. And then you express yourself and you just can't help it you know, your divine nature is going to win out no matter what.
1: Yeah. Sister Christine had a hard life. Of course, she wasn't married. There's a hint to that. No mate to cheer thy path. Uh, And um, she was looking after her mother. And uh, but she was one of the two who went to Thousand Island Park to see Swamiji. They had been it's very inspiring to see how she and Mary Funky were two close friends and back in the day, of course there was no tv movie nothing of that they would go to lectures and they were looking for something and they went to lecture after lecture after lecture and they all seemed insipid and dry and boring and and so uh they heard about swami vivekananda well should we go i don't know i, I well okay we're, we're tired of lectures they're always going, let's go let's give them a chance and how within like two minutes of him starting they look at each other it's like if we had missed this if we hadn't gone and so they they went to every class every every lecture in Detroit and then uh, um, Ben Swamiji moved on and so they held that and that's what sustained them for uh, for the ongoing months and months and then somehow they got to know maybe there was a little report in the newspapers and they got to know that he was in Thousand Island Park in New York. And they decide, we got to go see him. In those days, it's to go. And you know, there's no, you can't write to him. How can you write to him? There's no, They don't know the address. They only know he's in Thousand Island Park. Let's go. And so they go all the way from Detroit, Michigan, to Thousand Island Park, upstate New York, seeking him out. And they find him. And he accepts them as disciples. And they came in the rain, uh, following a man with a lantern through the mud. And they knock at the door and they're accepted in and then afterwards, the next day they were they were accepted as part of the little community there of of classes and. uh, uh, Mary uh, sister Christine ended up also coming to India just before Swamiji left the body, which is so heartbreaking in a sense, she came all that way and. Then he sent her to Mayavati to acclimate and where the climate was a little bit agreeable and then he left the body so Mm -hmm. uh, but she stayed in India for many years came back to America before she left the body. Mm-hmm. And she helped work with Sister Nivedita and then on her own in the educational work mm. of, of, of Indian women. So um, I can't imagine you, you get a poem like this. What a reassuring blessing it would be to receive this yeah. from Swamiji.
0: It's It's quite remarkable and it's quite personal. Although I could see it, it could apply to any one of us, you know, who's going through some kind of struggle because we all go through struggles yes. and it's to give us hope and to, you know, let us know that, you know, we're good. We're being supportive and he's there for us.
1: So maybe that's enough for today. That's three. Yeah, does
0: anyone have any questions just to wrap it up? feel free to jump on in if you do just for thanks
2: <laughs> you but arranging all
0: this thank you thank you yeah swami's makes it easy for me to arrange everything because he's so flexible i appreciate that
1: <laughs> see there's a lot more look at all the uh poems here even the ones in english so we have oh, more yeah. uh, more scope oops
0: yeah, it's hard to More get scope
1: through. to uh, okay. uh, to take up some of the other poems. Some of my favorites, like the Song of the Sannyasin, which oh, is yeah, which is kind of on the one hand it's a, it's a poem for monks, but on the other hand it's a poem for all seekers, all Vedanta seekers, and um, the Song of the Free, another of my favorites, and uh, Mother, my play my play is done. Uh, they're all deep. They all have a depth and a profundity and uh, one thing that I love about poems is you can memorize them, though I took the help just in case. but uh, they're uh, easy to memor poems are easy to memorize because they have a, a rhythm and a rhyme and all of that,
0: yeah, and you can visualize as you go. I just admire Vivekananda more every day, every time I learn more about him. It's so remarkable that he was here just so recently you know, in the span of time Hmm. and that we have access to people who've actually been close to his disciples and such, you know, so... Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tommy. This has been wonderful. I've enjoyed okay. it very much.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It's always a it's always a joy to dive into these poems and share it, share them with you. We'll
0: do more, definitely. Yeah.
1: Okay. Definitely. Okay. <laughs>
0: All right. Thanks everybody. And this will be posted on YouTube if you want to check later, youtube.com slash coffee
1: talk. So yeah. we'll, 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 do a, we'll do a peace chant to close. Yes, please. A oh, which... Okay. Om Asato Ma San Gamaya Tamaso Ma Jyotir Gamaya Vrityo Arma Virma Rudrayate Dakshinam Mukham Tenam Ampahinityam Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. From the unreal, lead us to the real. From darkness, lead us unto light. From death, lead us to immortality. Reach us through and through ourself. And evermore protect us, O thou terrible, from ignorance, by thy sweet, compassionate face. Om, peace, peace,
0: peace. Om um, Shanti.
1: That was Swami Vivekananda's translation of the prayer. That's why I left in, I gave the full translation of, Oh, thou terrible, because it's Arundra, who is the, the sort of the terrible aspect of Shiva. So he put mm-hmm. in, reaches through and through, Oh, thou well, terrible. He translated it that way. That's why. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Put that in. <laughs> That's really cool. I didn't know that. Cool, love it, love
0: it. Okay, wonderful. Good night, everyone. Pranams, Swamiji. We love you, and we'll see you soon. Take
1: care. Enjoy, Ma. Take
0: care. yeah.